Morning, church. Please open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Huge welcome to all of you who are visiting with us this morning. What an honor uh, to have you come and to lift up praise and to break bread with us this morning in the presence of God. If you're visiting with us, we are uh, coming towards the end of a series that I'm calling Peace Talks because there's a war going on. And we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks that we can win this war with worry in our minds. And we're learning that uh, worry may be a part of our lives, but it doesn't have to dominate us. Anxiety may confront us, but it doesn't have to rule us. And the prescription for this particular um, battle plan comes from Philippians chapter 4. And so I'd like to invite you once again to read with me these great words together. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, a little bit of one of those other verses got in there for me, you know, the translations get mixed up. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning thanking you. We didn't have to make that up. Thanking you that you have given us truth to be able to counter the lies of the evil one. We're not the only one this morning who've come pursuing truth this morning, pursuing hope. The Turtle Creek Community Church is doing the same thing. And we ask that you bless their gathering together as a fellowship just as you are ours. Thanks so much for the laughter in this room. Thank you so much for the energy and enthusiasm. Thank you for our children. Thank you for the opportunity to come and serve our community through Trunk or Treat. And we ask that your blessing would be on that, that we truly can make some connections with some people who just everyday, everyday ordinary Joes so that we might re- lead them into a relationship with you and your son Jesus. God, what a privilege. We are honored that you are here today. Please move through your spirit and take this sack lunch of a lesson and to turn it into a blessing for us like you did on that seashore so many years ago. Feed us through the spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said. In her short 13 years, Rebecca Taylor has endured a bout with severe pancreatitis. And the result in... In this time has been more than 55 surgeries and close to a thousand days spent in the hospital. All in all, it has been a roller coaster ride that this family feels like may never stop. Kristen, Rebecca's mom, talks about pancreatic complications with the articulation of a surgeon herself. The vocabulary of many mothers includes phrases like homework and cell phones and slumber parties. And Kristen knows those terms. But she's also acquainted with words like blood cells and stents and radiation therapy. Most recently, the term known as hemorrhagic stroke. Not long ago, she wrote these words in her blog. This past week's new landmine was the phrase hemorrhagic stroke. Wow. I've heard it a dozen times by numerous physicians over and over, and I was hit with a possible affliction that overwhelmed my emotions and consumed my thoughts, an affliction that hadn't happened, may not ever happen, 
and yet emotionally was crippling to me and my family nonetheless. So I was listening to one of my favorite preachers on the subject of anxiety, Max Lucado, and he was reviewing the familiar Philippians 4, 6 passage, which encourages us not to be anxious about anything. And so I presented my request to God as I had done so many times before. But this time I needed more. And so this time, using the next verses, I found the peace that I was searching for. Where Paul writes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if Anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about these things. And so I got out my yellow patch, she writes. Okay, what was true in my life? At this particular moment, answer. No blessing of all my family members eating together. Then I ask, what's noble in my life? She writes, the blessing of enjoying one another's presence outside of a hospital room. What's right in my life? The blessing of experiencing my two sons' daily lives. What's pure in my life? The blessing of my three children laughing and playing with each other. What's lovely in my life? The blessing of watching Rebecca sleep peacefully in her bed at night. What's admirable in my life? The blessing of a gifted teen that's working tirelessly on Rebecca's behalf. Paul goes on to say, is there anything excellent? And I, I said, yes, there is. There's a blessing of watching this miracle unfold. Is anything praiseworthy? Yes. It's a blessing of worshiping a Lord who is worthy to be praised. Paul then concludes by saying, all right, then think on these things. And so I did. Rebecca wrote in an amazing instant. While counting those blessings, I stopped the threat of her magic... Of hermographic. <laughs> I've worked all week long on saying this term right. I'm not going to be anxious though because I'm preaching about it today. She said, I prevented that terrible medical term from sucking the joy out of my life. Its power to produce anxiety, she writes, was suddenly rendered impotent. When I dwelt on the bountiful blessing happening in my life at that very moment, the peace of God which transcends all understanding did guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And she finished by saying, this was a true, unexpected miracle in my life. I hope we can see what Kristen did. Because she was practicing thought management. She stopped the dreaded phrase from sucking joy out of her life because she took the time to think about what she was thinking about. That medical term that I can't pronounce for the moment was stalking her life like a serial killer. And rather than believe she was bound by that thought in her life, she bound that thought with handcuffs, took it to the exit, and in the name of Christ showed at the door. And I want this morning to be able to hopefully point you to the truth in God's Word that says you can do that as well. Whatever disastrous term is trying to infiltrate your life and your heart. 
Now, you probably know this, but just in case you have forgotten it or maybe you didn't know it at all, I'm thrilled to give you some good news this morning, and here it is. You get to select the thoughts you dwell on. Can it remind you of that? You get to select the thoughts you dwell on. You didn't get to select your birthday. You didn't get to select your birth parents. You didn't get to select your birthplace. You didn't get to select the weather today. You don't get to vote on your voice or your hands. There are a lot of things in this world. If you haven't found that already, you're going to realize you have no say in it all. But one of the most significant activities in your life, one that you have absolute dominion over, listen to me, is this. You get to choose what you dwell on. Which is why Solomon urges us this in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 3. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. I think every one of us in this room knows our actions have consequences. Scripture wants to tell us, no, even more than that, your thoughts have consequences. So if you want to help yourself to some joy tomorrow, Scripture is going to say, then you need to sow joyful thoughts today. Today. If you want to be cranky, and if you want to be short-tempered and irritable tomorrow, then you climb into the slimy pit of guilt and worry and negativism today. Because we become what we believe. That's what we've been seeing in this entire series of lessons. That anxiety is not just some haphazard thing that floats into our life occasionally like some butterfly. But it's something that's intentional. That's something that, that we work on. Something that we aim at. Jesus himself who came in the flesh says, If there's one thing that I can say, one principle that I want you to hang on to about this life that I lived with you and among you, it's this. That life is like a garden, and what you plant in it, what you sow in it, is what you're going to reap. It's what you're going to harvest. This week, Gail and I finished picking the last tomatoes of the year, and they were green. And some of you are thinking, oh, no. I'm going, oh, yeah, because she's going to make chow-chow with them. Anybody here is a chow-chow connoisseur? Hallelujah. Man, you've got to put that stuff on some red beans and cornbread if you've never done that. Goes great on a hot dog, but red beans and cornbread is the bomb. Well, she pulled those so that she could make us some of that. But you know what? None of those tomatoes made it into that garden in our yard by accident. Absolutely intentional. We planted those tomato plants. We fertilized those tomato plants. We, we watered them. We picked off the worms from them. That was cool. We got out a black light because we had to use that to find out where the worms were. And we were able to get from those incredible plants red, juicy tomatoes all summer long for us and for others that we shared them with, and now for cha-cha. What you harvest in your mind in the same way as what you plant. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, Paul says, Do not ever be misled. You will always harvest what you plant. And as true as that is for the soul, it's also true for your mind, friend. And I know, I know that I know you forget this, because I do. Every single one of us forgets this, about how much dominion we have over the thoughts that we plant in our minds every single day. What challenges you? Can I remind you it's not your challenges. It's what you think about your challenges. It's not your problems. It's what you think about your problems, because the problem is not the traffic. Traffic is. Traffic is going to happen. 
but it's what you think about traffic. The problem's not your boss. This may be one of those things you can't ever change, but how you process living with them, that has a lot to do with how you think about it. We can't change a lot of things, but we can change in every instance how we think about it. And Satan knows this, which is why the number two truth I want to leave you with this morning is this. Satan wants to poison your dwell. If you get to choose what you dwell on, if, if you're in charge of that dwell, Satan wants to poison it. He lives to pollute our thoughts. He is the air traffic controller of our minds. Now that's kind of a neat way, I think, to think about this. Next slide, please. He's the... Nope. Did we go past the air traffic controller? There we go. We don't want to miss that. Because I want that image to be in your mind today. Because you know what an air traffic controller does. He's the one that tells a plane, a plane when it can land and when it can take off. And I want you to remember, when you leave here, you're the air traffic controller of your mind. There are thoughts that come into your mind that you allow to hang around. It's because you're the air traffic controller. And you get to determine whether they land and stay or whether they never get to land. Now, you can't control what flies over your head, can you? My nanny used to say, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can sure build, you can keep it from building a nest in it. That's kind of countryfied, but it's the same thing. Air traffic controllers get to decide who gets to land and who has to leave. And that's your mind, friend. You're the air traffic controller. Satan wants to cause a tremendous crash every time you wake up in the morning. James 3 and verse 15 says this. He promotes jealousy and selfishness and other things that are not God's wisdom. He wants to land a plane in your mind that's full of anxiety. He wants to land a plane in your mind that's full of jealousy and hatred. And he hopes you invite it to stay and unload its cargo. But you don't have to. That's why God gives Satan this moniker. He's the father of lies. He's the father of lies. He lied to Eve in the garden. He lied to David as he watched Bathsheba bathe. He lied to Judas in the upper room. He lied to Peter at the fire. And every day he's lying to unbelievers so much so that he's blinded some of them maybe from never ever seeing the life that you know in Christ. Here's what Jesus says himself in John 8, 44. He's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar. No, he is the father of lies. Well, that's his problem. He doesn't have to be yours. He may be the master deceit, brother, but he is not the master of your mind. You are. And if asked to do so, God will help you with those thoughts that he tries to land in your airport. But you've got to give him permission. Because your air traffic controller of your mind, including whether his thoughts get in or Satan's thoughts get in. You get to decide. And I love him for that. That he doesn't force himself on any human being in the world. He doesn't make you think the way he wants you to think. He welcomes you to. But if you let him in, here's one of his priorities. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says, he's going to try to help set your mind on Jesus. That's what he's going to try to do. As Luke read a few moments ago in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, he wants to transform us into a brand new person. And he's going to do that by changing the way you think. That's where he's going to start. Now that's going to require your permission. 
I want to underscore that again. That requires your permission. You're allowing his thoughts to land as much as you don't allow Satan thoughts to take root and to, and to play in your airport. Now, he does part of that by letting us look into Satan's playbook. We know exactly what Satan's going to be up to because most of his thoughts fall into three categories. So I want to share them with you real quick. Godless thoughts, negative thoughts, and amplified thoughts. And whenever you're thinking a godless thought, you're going to know this is the source. It's Satan. What's a godless thought, Jim? Well, God doesn't care. That's one. God doesn't exist. Or if God doesn't exist, or if he does exist, he doesn't care. That's another. Anytime you find yourself wading into a challenge, and you're tempted to do so without consulting God, there's a really good chance it's not Him leading you there. The devil is going to do exactly what he did to Eve. He's going to confront you with forbidden fruit and, and, and forbidden challenges, forbidden things you think you've got to have, and you're going to leave him out of the decision about how to handle that. Big mistake. It was for Eve, and it cost her and her husband greatly. And it will cost you most of the time greatly. But God's going to let you choose. He wants me to face all of my problems, all of my circumstances, all of my joys with Him. But we don't have to. Because once God is a part of a conversation, things happen. Things happen. When truth gets to be a part of our lives, darkness flees and in comes hope. Satan's going to do, therefore, all he can to keep us from conversing with God, from praying to God. And so some of you walked in here today a mental mess because, just for one simple reason, you haven't talked to God in a week. You had not talked to God in a month. Some of you really haven't talked to God in years. And your life's a mess. And it will stay a mess because you're air traffic controller. And it starts with whether or not you want to even welcome him into that mind in the first place and it starts with this. Do you even care what he thinks? Do you even care what he wants for your life? Satan's going to make sure that those godless thoughts fill your mind. Number two, that they're negative. Satan has never encouraged anybody anytime. His goal with Job was to so consume him with sadness and sickness that Job believed he had no friends. And he certainly didn't have a God who cared. His goal with Judas was to lead Judas to a place that was so dark, Judas finally said, I'm taking my own life. The only way to face what's in front of me now is to get out of here. Which is why this is what Jesus said about Satan. He comes with the sole intention into your life of stealing and killing and destroying. I want to encourage you, friend, before anything is thought that has gone wrong in your life and God's hand is in it, that you think first, is this the enemy who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Because that's what Satan wants to do. Some of you are here today and you think that, that no window is ever going to open for you in your life. You think that no light is ever going to come. That's a negative thought. That's a godless thought. And it comes straight from hell. And it's a lie. Because there is no life that is irredeemable. There is no life that is unlovable. There is no problem that is without a solution that God can't be a part of and change drastically. It may come with difficulty. But Satan wants to say in a negative world, 
This is reality. This is dark. This is hopeless, and that's the way it's going to stay. And then he's going to turn up the volume. He's not just going to stop with God-less thoughts. He's not going to stop with negative thoughts. He's going to move right on to amplified thoughts. He's going to turn the volume up. He's going to make overstated statements. He's going to put exaggerated, inflated, absolutely irrational thoughts in your mind, loaded with phrases like this. We're never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to lose this weight. I'm never going to have the marriage that I hoped for. I will never have friends. Friends, I don't know who came up with the phrase for this, but they call those flaming generalities. But I love that phrase to describe it because it sounds like they come from the flames of hell. Never? Really? Never? Have you read about this Savior who opens the eyes of blind people? Who helps crippled legs walk? Who brings dead people? Never? Really? That's what Satan does. He takes godless, negative thoughts and amplifies them to flaming generalities. Now, maybe you've never had those thoughts. I've had plenty. Most of us have. And Satan wants to leave us with a kind of thought pattern that absolutely has death and destruction written on it because he knows that's the greatest anti-witness for the church is that we live a life that has no life in it, has no hope in it, has no joy in it. So, when you put all those together, you've got godless, negative, amplified thoughts. You know what that's like? It's like having gnats swimming all around you. Do you see that up there? Anybody ever had gnats buzzing all around their head? Yeah, I have too. No matter what you're doing, no matter how much fun you're having, no matter how cool something is, it, all of a sudden it, you just kind of lose track of it, right? Because these bugs are just everywhere and you don't know how to get rid of them. That's what Satan wants to do in our lives. But I get to choose. I get to choose which thoughts land. I get to choose the thoughts that I dwell on. I'm in charge of this dwell. Even though I know somebody's poisoning it with gnats, trying to confuse me and trying to disorient me, I get to choose who's in charge. And so I'm going to do my best to resist him. That's the encouragement that comes from Peter. Resist this devil who, who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone whom he may devour. Resist him firm in your faith. James is going to say in chapter 4 and verse 7, you submit yourselves into God. You resist this devil and he will flee from you. Is that just pie-in-the-sky stuff, or is it the truth? Man, I'm leaning into this, the truth. I need for it to be the truth. Because I got these gnats around me all the time, don't you? And I want so much for every one of us to have a game plan, beginning with when your feet come out of that bed and hit the floor in the morning, with how you're going to deal with the gnats, the godless, negative, amplified thoughts that Satan's going to try to land in your airport. How do you do that? Paul says you fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is right, on what is pure, on what is lovely, on what is admirable. And he says, if you will, think on those things that are excellent and worthy of praise, you will experience a peace that's out of this world. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. No, really. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely and admirable, think about those things. I've got to ask this question, no hands raised. Was that a priority for you this week? been a little bit more for me because I've, I've, got to, I've got to talk about these things to you. So it's staying kind of on the dashboard of my life right now to, to, to make what I'm thinking about admirable and honorable and right and pure and lovely, that, that what I'm giving time to dwell and stay in my airport is from God and not from Satan. If we don't, then we don't get the peace. We don't get the life. We don't get the joy that Paul's saying is possible when he's even in a prison cell writing about this stuff. But he wants us to know it is possible. It is absolutely possible. Because I'm not a victim. I'm a creation of God that can be a child of God if I choose to want in on that family plan. But if I choose to be in on that family plan, it's still intentional. It's still purposeful. It's still something that I do on an everyday basis to unwrap the gifts that he wants to give me. Let me talk about some of those gifts here. We can resist the thoughts of Satan's and we can welcome the thoughts of God. That's the third point of this morning. You can select the thoughts that you dwell on. You know that Satan's going to try to poison that dwell. But you get to welcome the thoughts that you dwell on. And here's the first one. Right across from Satan's godless thoughts are God-centered thoughts. Those thoughts that come into your life like, we started the very first part of this series with this. Remember this? This is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Come sunshine or rain, prosperity or pain, this is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I don't know if that's how you've been starting your day since we started this, but you can. Do you wake up in the morning and say, oh, good Lord, it's morning? Or do you wake up and say, oh, good Lord, it's morning? You get to choose. You get to choose how you're going to start the very first part of your day because you're the air traffic controller. You're the one in charge of your dwell. And it's got to start early. We've got a little bookmark that we did probably six years ago when I first came here. It's a prayer that God gave me one night about 3 o'clock in the morning that I pray all the time everywhere I go, Jesus, help me say and do what makes me an influence for you. You lead. I'll follow. I don't know if you've used that or not, but it's one that I use all the time because I try to keep those thoughts on the forefront and I know that's from God because it's pointing me towards God. It's welcoming God into my life. How are you doing with your thoughts that have been buzzing around your, your airport this week? Were they trying to lead you away from Him? The movies you watched this week, did they bring you closer to God? or further? The music that you listened to this week, that you filled your mind and heart with, did it lead you toward God? There were God's Music, and there's Satan's music. That's not the type. It's not whether it's got the beat or not. It's what's the word saying to you. The conversations that you had, were they God-centered or were they more God-less? You get to choose. You're not the victim. 
God hopes you will live with Him as a victor. And I don't want to just flip that phrase, but it's the truth. Because I get to have God-centered thoughts in my life, in my airport. And that really deals with prayer. That's why at the heartbeat of everything we've been reading the last 10, 11 weeks is this. If you'll just talk to God about it with thanksgiving. I know you're facing some tough stuff, some difficult things in your life. I did this last week. But whatever you're facing, would you do it with thanksgiving? I know you've got needs. I know you've got things that you need help with. But would you do it with knowing what you already have, not what you need? If you'll do that, that's a great starting place. It's a great way to keep your thoughts centered on God. The second thing is this. You know the thoughts that are from God because they're inspiring. They're inspirational. They lift you up. Satan's never encouraged anybody in his life. All he does is tear people down. And usually when you're thinking about someone and it's tearing them down, that's not from God. And when you're speaking to someone and it's tearing them down, it's not from God. Which is why Ephesians 14.9 says... Man, don't let it come out of your mouth unless it's full of grace and builds up somebody. I can promise you before it ever came out of your mouth, it was flying around in that airport of your mind. God's thoughts are inspirational. God's thoughts are also factual. Factual. Man, this is one that I think we all struggle with. This week... I did the funeral for my dad. Matter of fact, I did it yesterday. And you know what? The facts are my dad died. The facts are that my family's kind of in a, a difficult time right now, trying to figure all that out. That's the facts. But where Satan wants to come in is to start bringing in these alarming possibilities. That if we go this direction, that could happen. If we go this direction, that could happen. If we go this direction, that could happen. And if that happens, oh my goodness, it's going to be awful. And if you have trouble like that, like I do, connecting that, all the cities, okay, we got the flaming generalities, and I think right from the pit of hell also is alarming possibilities. What are the facts? The doc calls and says, um, I need you to come in and talk about the tests. Wow. Okay. No worries. Just come on in. We'll talk about the test. I mean, really, don't, don't, don't worry about anything. Just, it's, it's actually good news. Really? But you're calling me to come in and talk to you about the test. Well, you just come on in. What's the facts here? God, not God, your doctor wants to talk to you about your test results. But where does our mind go? Oh, my goodness. My grandmother struggled with this. My, my dad struggled with this. It's about time. It's probably my time now. As a matter of fact, I think this week my vision's been a little bit more blurry than normal. Solomon says we can so think on the wrong things we can make our hearts sick. You can be sick before you ever even walk into the doctor's office. Who knows what's going to take place when you get in there. This week my mind's been filled with all kinds of what-ifs in regards to my dad's death. How is this going to turn out? How that's going to work? And, and I've just been, I've just said, God, okay, I needed this sermon as much as anybody in our church did. What's factual about finance accounts? What's factual about relationship as they are now? What's factual? Not where is this going to go and how is it going to happen? But Satan loves to play in that zone. And what do they say? 90% of all things that we fear never come to fruition. We know that's true. 
But we love to let those thoughts in and just run around the airport and just have all the fun and fear and anxiety they want to have. What's factual? When those thoughts are a part of our mind, go ahead, next slide, guys. Next slide. There's Satan thoughts and then there's God thoughts. One of them are gnats, the other are gifts. And we get to choose. Now, if you think that's clever, I don't get the credit for that. I'm just the rain barrel. The rain cloud is Max Lucado on that one. But man, that helped me this week. Where's my focus on, on godless things, negative things, those, those amplified, oh, it's never going to be good. It's never going to happen. Those kind of thoughts are more on the gifts. But the same God who rose Jesus from the grave and the same God that made the sunrise this morning, the same God that organizes the stars and organizes the seasons, hears my prayers. Yeah. Yeah. And if God is for me, who could be against me? Scripture says that if he didn't keep his son from me, what else would he keep from me that's good? That's pretty good inspirational stuff. Uh, the one that my wife has over the um, uh, kitchen right now, I think, is trust the Lord and do what's right. What are you surrounding yourself with? What's, what's, what's on the, the, the phone that you've got? What's on the screensaver that you have? Is it, is it God-centered stuff or is it more God-less stuff? Is it inspirational stuff? Is it factual things? Is it, are they his thoughts or are they Satan's thoughts? If they're more... Satan's, and we hate to put those thoughts that we allow to fly into our airport and land in the Satan category, but I didn't, God did. God did. You're our traffic controller. You get to choose just like Kristen got to choose. She chose to focus on what was true and what was honorable and what was admirable and what was excellent and what was worthy of praise. And in that moment of hemorrhagic stroke, there we go, I got it. Hello. But when she's thinking about those thoughts and they're just invading her life and she takes them captive, puts the cuffs on them, leads them to the door and says, in Jesus' name, look at all he is doing for my life. Not what might happen in my life and where that might lead, but what he is doing in my life. Things changed and peace came. Here's what she wrote. We went back to Minnesota where earlier in the year Rebecca had received a transplant at the age of 12 years old. For three months she's been barely surviving. But now just before her 13th birthday, Rebecca is full of life and she's vibrant. She's gained a remarkable 30 pounds back. Her liver's steady, her health is stable. She was named the transplant team's walking miracle. The doctors could not have imagined with her complications how she could be doing so well. Kristen made another entry into her blog. She said, I watch these interactions with silent sense of awe. It is easy to praise God in a season of wellness. But it was during my greatest distress when I felt the Lord's presence upon me that I knew he was real. It was in the heartbreaking moments that I learned to trust that this God can provide the unimaginable in the midst of unimaginable pain. 
Paul calls this church a peace that passes all understanding. And it can be yours. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning. Every single one of us in this room struggles with how we handle our airport in our mind. Every single one of us in this room struggles with the poison that Satan sometimes drops in our dwell. Because we dwell on some stuff we have no business dwelling on. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. And empower us. Thank you that you're willing to do that. That you're willing to come alongside us and help us with those planes that Satan's trying to get to land in our mind. And, and, and to know which ones to let leave. And never land. And which ones are from you and need to land. And so I'm asking this morning, God, please, whatever is truth that I've spoken this morning, please let it soak in. Please let it be with us all the rest of this day. Please don't let it let go of us. Because you've tied so much to this peace plan, to these peace talks, to what we think about, what we choose to dwell on. And so we're just crying out saying we need help. We're going to start right there. We need help. Thank you so much for being there. Thank you for so much for the promise that you've made. And thank you so much for the faithfulness of proving yourself day in and day out that you are real and that you matter. And if someone here this morning has never put on your son to make them Lord of their lives and allow him to come alongside them, to be air traffic controller along with them, would you allow them, Father, to be not kept by anything, kept back, kept back by anything this morning, but to come forward and say, count me in. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a follower. And if I've got a brother or sister here this morning who knows that they struggle with their mind and what lands in that airport, please don't let them walk out of here without a, a, the assistance of a brother or sister with their arms around them, praying over them this week to live, truly live differently. We ask this all in the powerful name of Jesus and everyone said. Let's stand. Let's praise him, church.